podcasting is not the new blogging. And will there ever be another Game of Thrones-sized hit? This is episode 93 of Media Unplugged, the podcast that goes behind the spin in 93 episodes to reveal what's really happening in media. Media Unplugged with Tom A. Sacker and Mark Ramsey. Welcome to Media Unplugged. I'm Mark Ramsey. And I'm Tom A. Sacker. Of course you are, Tom. Podcasting is not the new blogging. No. It, okay. What is it? At, uh, <laughs> well, there was a piece in Copy Blogger, which I rarely see, by the way. I can't remember how I... Did you send me this? I guess you did. Because Copy Blogger is one of those things... Some, I, after years of getting Copy Blogger stuff, I feel like I've been Copy Blogged to death, you know? Oh, that's the theme of this particular podcast that we're doing, isn't it? It is, I think. <laughs> and, and by the way, I note they haven't changed it to Copy Podcaster. I noticed that. <laughs> So they have a piece, is podcasting still the new blogging? They're making reference to something Seth Godin said at the end of 2018 when he, guess what, launched a podcast where he said podcasting is the new blogging. I think it's it. he's trying to make a reference to such, such and such as the new black rather than podcasting is in fact the new blogging because I just thought that was a nutty thing to say and a nutty uh, way to title the piece. So before <laughs> I get into my rants, I want to ask you, is podcasting the new blogging, Tom? <laughs> okay, I don't know. Listen, there are, what, uh, 700,000 podcasts, I guess, and thousands more launch every week. But at last count, there was something like 500 million blogs. So maybe podcasts are on their way to becoming the next blogs. I don't know, but so what? There, look, there's thousands of beer brands. That's in the United States alone. This is the nature of the marketplace of abundance. We've been talking about this. You dance with it or run from it. It's not yeah, going to slow down. But there's not an article that says, is beer the new whiskey? <laughs> well, maybe there should be. I don't is, I, No, I think it's the other. I think maybe whiskey is the new beer. Well, see, now you're, you're, you're missing the larger point of my, of my reference. <laughs> What's which the is point? To, which is to say that, um, look... Blogging is super easy. It's super approachable. It's super easy to do. It's easier to write a blog post than it is to record audio. It's vastly easier to read a blog post than it is to read audio. And it's vastly easier still to read the headline of a post, which is all anybody reads, than it is to appreciate the headline of a uh, podcast. Because generally the headlines of podcasts are not as um, clickbaity. As, uh, as okay, the, now, now, the now, wait, now wait a minute. Now wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't want to. I don't want to argue with you. <laughs> but when you said it's easier to create a blog post than it is a podcast, I don't really know that that's true. I've some of these podcasts I listen to. It's like somebody just plugs in a mic and starts talking. Not much thought really went into it. At but least, Tom, you know, remember that. Remember that the original term for what Twitter is was microblogging. 120, 240 characters, whatever it is, vastly easier than plugging in the mic. <laughs> oh, no, that's true. And, but you just gave me an idea for micro-podcasting. Oh, okay. great. Well, that already exists. That's That, that <laughs> already exists. And it it's they've already pivoted a couple times since then. The company was called Anchor. So right. uh, on the other hand, now they're part of Spotify and they made a whole lot of money. So who am I to judge? So... Anyway, this piece goes on to say, and you know, invariably these pieces is podcasting the still still the new blogging are always written by guys who 
are podcasters. They're <laughs> always, there's never been anyone who's not, who doesn't have their own podcast who's ever written about podcasting. I challenge you to find me that person. No, you're right about so that. So it's, it's really interesting. So the, the gist of the piece, too, is really about, they make reference to podcasting's great because it's, you know, it's the, it's the, because of the age-old power of storytelling. What's funny about that is, I think there are a whole lot of podcasts that have not a, not a thing to do with storytelling. No, I would say most of them don't have anything to do with storytelling. Yeah. They're just talking it's, heads, right? It's talking heads. Many of them, they're repurposed television. Many of them, um, uh, you know, one of the, 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 the one show that's in front of me, much to my irritation in the TV film category, is um, the uh, after show for Chernobyl on HBO. Well, that's just talking heads. Right. You know, it's an after show. It has nothing to do with storytelling. So it's it's again that's I think misguided. The age of storytelling is one of those those evergreen phrases that's overplayed, and the idea that everyone's a storyteller um, is only true if everyone works to be a storyteller, and right. and not that many do, as you know. Um, the article goes on to say that there's a whole lot of juice in podcasting. Lots of people are listening to it. They tend to use statistics like. Now over 50% of people have ever listened to a podcast, which is true according to the uh, the Edison research. I don't find that number very compelling probably because, you know, the, if you ask more than 50% of people have done almost anything, anything and everything, <laughs> right? That's true. <laughs> you know, have you ever done something stupid? You know, more than 50% of the people are going to say yes. Have you ever driven the wrong way on a highway accidentally? <laughs> More than 50% are going to say yes. So. Yeah, that doesn't really validate doing it, does it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> so, so, and then they've got, uh, you know, subtitles here like, why not jump in? The water's fine. Well, no, it shouldn't be why not jump in. It should be why jump in. Exactly. They use, you know, it's like I'm, I'm doing this, uh, this, this piece for uh, BuzzFeed. It invited me to do this, this uh, participate in this piece on, you know, how to, get your podcast really popular, which, by the way, is an exercise we really need to apply to this show one of these days, <laughs> <laughs> now that I think of it. Yeah, doctor, heal, thy, heal thyself. Right? Heal thyself. <laughs> so this thing uses phrases like spoken word audio, which is just my, I just hate that phrase. It's like the only words in audio that are not sung are spoken. I don't know that you need to clarify that. And most of the sung ones you can't understand anyway. Well, I think so, Bob Dylan would, was spoken word audio almost, if you think about the way he used to sing. <laughs> I try not to think about that, unfortunately. So uh, it says, and, and nonfiction interviews or talk shows are still relatively easy and inexpensive to produce. Again, let's not use ease and lack of expense as our <laughs> metric for what's worth doing. I think, you know, then it goes on to say how to make your voice heard considering all the competition, because that's the new thing, right? Now that there's so much noise out there, you've got to rise above the, above the din and be heard. Right. So they say, here's what you do. Cut the noise this way. Attract listeners with your distinctive voice amidst the sea of shows out there. If you can explain to me what that means, I'd love to hear it. I have no idea. I think I thought everybody's voice was distinctive. <laughs> Other than like an impersonator. But <laughs> Honestly, I, I wish, having worked with, you know, David Harbour uh, in studio, I can tell you, I wish my voice were half as distinctive as his. He's got an amazing exactly. voice. I, I hate him. Uh, on the other hand, he, think, he thinks I have a lot more hair than he does. So, 
Everybody he has went, something, right? That's it's really true. It's like we were doing this. We were on Skype doing this thing, and he said, "Wow, you have a lot of hair." And I was thinking, "Wow, you've got a great voice." And it's funny <laughs> how you can you can both have something and each be dissatisfied with it at the same time, isn't it? So, so, oh, man. so um, <laughs> yes, um, differentiate yourself by offering something <laughs> truly unique, which, as you know, if you've in, in every article you've ever read or written, you've seen the line differentiate yourself by offering something truly unique. <laughs> There's a handbook out there, right, with marketing truisms to make sure to include in your blog posts and or podcasts and that's that's one of them and then the third point from there if you choose to you can use the growing multitudes of up-and-coming tools to earn an income from your audio content. okay well, now, they, now it it's all about the money so you've got a voice that no one else has because it's yours you've differentiated in ways that you know everyone's always tried to differentiate everything i think by using different words if if i'm not mistaken don't use the same words someone else uses, or at least do this. Different jumble combination. The, you, yeah, jumble the order. That's exactly right. <laughs> jumble the order, and then find tools to help you earn an income. You know, the, the idea that there's something burning in your soul that you need to get out, right? The idea that it's new to the world, not just distinctive and differentiated, but actually novel, right? Right. Forget all that. Now we're <laughs> going to show you some tools to make money. And then he adds a couple more. Show up regularly and commit to the long haul. <laughs> that, well, that's a good one. Anyone who's ever punched a time card at a job knows that that's a good one, right? I don't know. And I'd rather get in, make a bunch of money quick, right, than get out. <laughs> well, that's, again, that brings me back to Anchor, purchased by Spotify for half a gazillion dollars. And start out with a professional quality sound and production value for your show. Warning, do not skimp on this. And I'll tell you, this is one of the things in the in the BuzzFeed thing. They said, you know, what kind of technical thing do you use? And I said, look, anybody who asked the question, what should my technology setup be? <laughs> Before pondering the question, what, do I have creating? something? <laughs> yeah. Of course, do I have something worth talking about that is unavoidable, inescapable, just irrefusibly fantastic? Uh, that I can't avoid it. Anybody who asked that question rather than that one. And it's funny, even when I went to uh, National Association of Broadcasters, they had a, a panel on podcasting and they had me on. And um, uh, along with a bunch of other people, more, um, you know, more knowledgeable than I. And uh, the, the, anchor, the host of the panel said, we've got to ask about technology because everyone always wants to know what your technology is. And mm -hmm. I thought, you know, when you're making a movie... No one ever says, which cameras and lenses did you use? <laughs> I know. Maybe but it's somehow, because, listen, maybe it's because, you know, maybe this is a lot of radio guys and, you know, in radio and in, in women. And, you know, they love like rock and roll music and they watch these documentaries about how someone went into a studio and there was this mixer in there that was hundreds of thousands of dollars and they mixed this music and because of that, you know, they came out with this album that was, I don't know, maybe that's it. Maybe everybody's like, looking for the right mixer instead of the, the right music. <laughs> you, just, you just created like a fantastic story that 
in the wildest dreams of the people who ask this question, they never would have considered, but they'll quickly appropriate to use to legitimize <laughs> their dumb question. Right there. <laughs> well done. All right. Well, thank you all. So, <laughs> You're so, welcome. So bottom line, at least for me, is no, podcasting is not the new blogging. It's not for everybody. Maybe you shouldn't get into it. In fact, I think for the BuzzFeed thing, I said, just because it's easy doesn't mean anybody should do it. In fact, it may specifically mean you should not do it. <laughs> That's a good point right there. <laughs> You're listening to Media Unplugged with Tom Asacker and Mark Ramsey. Will there be ever again another Game of Thrones-sized hit, Tom? You know, what I, you when, I read, when I read that, it, that's beautiful. It, I was thinking about what's a hit. So I went and I said, well, what, what would be a hit? It must be like the number of viewers or percentage of the population that, that over time, what, what does that mean? How do you constitute a hit? So I did some research. So I want to ask you, I want to ask you, because you, you probably know the answer to this. I'm going to give you the two top most viewed TV season finales of all time. Number one. You want to guess? Um, 1983. There's, there's your um, guess. MASH? MASH. So okay. MASH is number one. It was 105.9 million viewers. So just mm -hmm. I'm just messing around, and I, I find out that's 45% of the, of the U.S. population in mm -hmm. 1983. So that was the most watched television event ever until 2010 when the Super Bowl topped it with 106 million viewers. Mm. Number two aired in 10 years later in 1993. Want to guess? Oh, uh, 93. Cheers? Cheers. I knew you'd get it. So oh, Cheers good. had 80.4 million viewers, or about 31% of the U.S. population. Mm -hmm. You know how many Game of Thrones had for their Sunday night, you know, HBO telecast of their finale? Wasn't it 50 or 60 million? 18.4 million. What? It was only 18 million, really? That, that saw it, you know, at that time. And so that what was, was the, do you know what the, uh, whatever, the plus three or whatever, uh, once they add in all the digital media and so on, what that number no, talked about? No, I didn't look that up because it does, it does have a worldwide audience, right? But, but look at it. So 18.4 million on Sunday night, that's 6% of the U.S. population. Right. So will there be another hit? What's a hit? How, how well, do you define a, it? That's a good question. It's funny. I had a debate. It, would, it turned out to be a stupid debate, but I'll share it with you because I, I you know, enjoy being self-deprecating whenever I can. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, I don't know, it was a couple of years ago, there was some, somebody made reference to uh, uh, the Aaron Menke's Lore podcast and said, you know, made reference to a hit podcast. And I said, this is really successful, but I don't think it's a hit. Right. You know, a hit is something that has these characteristics. And Aaron, of course, jumped in and said, well, what do you mean? <laughs> what are you saying that's not a hit? It's a hit. <laughs> uh, what are your criteria? And, you know, eventually, and basically my criteria were things like not only a lot of people, but, you know, it exists in other media and there's books and there's television, all this other stuff. Well, right. you know, then, of course, Aaron had books. Then, of course, Aaron had television. Then, of course, Aaron had the hardest thing of all to do, which is a second season of television. Right. So I had to write him a note, and I said, look, I don't know what the hell's wrong with me. <laughs> because, you know, pretty much by any reasonable definition, this is a hit. So I'm really sorry. Um, uh, and he said, yeah, I appreciate that. You know, it's it's hard to be told that, you know, 
all your work isn't enough. And I said, <laughs> I completely understand that. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a perfect example where, first of all, your point is right. It is all relative. And I guess the one thing that I would say is that, to me, a hit is something that has cultural re- relevance outside the category which you would consider its primary category. So people are talking about it, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, Game of Thrones created, you know, a slew of podcasts that people were talking about. The, the top 50 were full of Game of Thrones after show podcasts in the week after the, the finale um, arrived. Right. Um, of course, Game of Thrones is a cottage industry. That's something that's in this article, in fact, which we didn't even mention. But the article is from um, Vox, from uh, our friend Peter Kafka, who's an amazing guy. I love Peter Kafka. But um, he mentions the fact that Game of Thrones is a is a, a cottage industry for media. People who write Game of Thrones, people who write about Game of Thrones on digital platforms, turns out that they get a lot of traffic. Right. So Game of Thrones is a business driver for a lot of media that write about other media. Well, that's no, a hit. That's true. Yep. You know, that's that's a hit flat out. So well, and the diff- I think in the difference today, Mark, compared to the like when everybody sat in front of the TV and watched the same show Sunday night, is it takes time in some cases for these things to spread today through the through this media ecosystem because the first airing of the season premiere of Game of Thrones that only had two million viewers, even mm. the finale ten weeks later, season one only had three million people. Interesting. So it grew over time. You know, that, and, and I think that that's what people have to understand about things that have, you know, these cultural legs that, that they're looking for. Word of mouth yeah. is not instant. It may be instant, but it doesn't mean you're going to get to it Sunday night. You know? No, it's, it, that, that's, that's true. And I think the, 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 the point of his piece is that, look, there's all kinds of apparatus out there with an incentive to create and leverage hits, even if those hits are Game of Thrones-sized rather than MASH-sized, uh, there will be hits. And as we know from, uh, from broadcast television, you know, where the, where the rates, uh, the unit rates keep rising, even right. as the audiences keep shrinking, what we know is that, you know, it's a, it's a situation of the tallest pygmy, right? Yep. Um, that is, if I can get more audience this way than any other way, it's a relative problem, not an absolute problem. So a hit is that which is much more popular than any other single thing I can uh, I can devote my attention to. That's what a hit is. I, like you, am always amazed that I can flit around um, Netflix, flit around Amazon Prime, and say, you know, look at the amount of money they put into this project. Who the heck watches this? No, I mean, no, you're right. Who even knows this is here? There's a show on Netflix now called As If, I think it's called, with... Uh, with, um, um, oh gosh, um, um, I'm blanking out. Uh, I'll have to look it up. Too much choice. Uh, uh, <laughs> hold on. As if Netflix. Here we go. Um, yes, I can't, uh, I, I blank out on Renee Zellweger's name. Just like she blanked out on her face. That's it's because she doesn't thing. look like <laughs> Renee Zellweger. So um, this is a show that is an incredibly tiresome show that I'm wading through like I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm trying to swim to shore and the tide's against me. It's one of those things. But I'm looking at this saying, I've heard zero buzz about this show. Uh, I don't know anybody else who's watching this show. I, I haven't either. Now, look, at that's, and, and that's the game plan that Peter laid out in this article that people have to follow, which was really interesting, right? So what he said was, 
get weekly distribution on a network that reaches a few hundred million homes, right? So you have to have access. If you can pull it off, run it weekly on Sunday night if you can pull this off. You right. can't do that on Netflix, right? They're just going to throw it out there. Go ahead. Take it. Find a That's story true. that taps into the zeitgeist, ones that people that- want to talk about. And it makes conversations easy and engaging. Well, that's the beauty of a network, right, compared to an over-the-top platform exactly. where, where something drops in today and something else drops in tomorrow, similar to what we see with podcasting in Apple, as well, well as Apple Music. It's, it's something new pops in. There's a new number one this week. I mean, the metrics indicate if you end up being number one in Apple Podcasts, you can drive a whole lot of traffic. It's hard to get there. But once you get there, it can drive a whole lot of traffic because being number one perpetuates your ability to be number one no, you're right. unlike anything else yeah that's why like how do you activate social media this fear of missing out with this as if what what are people missing out on what are they um, talking about i can attest to the fact that they're missing out on nothing well that's <laughs> it so if you're not so if there's no social media activation Traditional media surely isn't aching to talk about it, right? So they haven't given them anything, mm-hmm. any controversies, anything that they want. So that's it. I mean, I guess it comes back to giving people something they want to watch. Well, <laughs> well, this is the challenge. I mean, as you know, I mean, television such that everything is an experiment all the time unless it's dealing with existing intellectual property. Right. This is the challenge now that AT&T owns HBO and they have aspirations to turn HBO into kind of a, a Netflix-ish uh, cousin of HBO. Um, it could be argued that the reason why HBO is HBO and has been HBO is not because they have a zillion new shows for you to pay attention to that are all equal, like everything that ends up on Netflix, but that they have a new show here and there, and essentially they've curated this thing like, you know, precious diamonds. Mm. And um, they're only going to give you the diamonds so that when you so that in other words, they've you've got a trusted relationship with them that says you can trust us with your attention because we are not going to disappoint you. And as I just told you, a lot of stuff on Netflix and certainly on Amazon are disappointing. Well, you see, in, in what's what's creating that, Mark, I think a lot of it is with with these ad free streaming services. What what in the world is the actual ROI? of a piece of content, right? I mean, it's not, this isn't transactional, like a movie theater ticket. So you can't like right. say to Renee Zell, oh yeah, we'll give you whatever, tens of millions to, uh, and then they look at it later and say that was a wise investment. How can they look at it and see any return on investment? Because they're they just have, trying to build, retain, and monetize an audience, right? That's, that's all absolutely true, but that's how they do it because they have some model that uh, that 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 calculates um, the contribution of their shows to that retention. Yeah. Um, how how could they know that as if kept you from leaving Netflix, or that I can see maybe how it brings in a non-subscriber. Maybe they can see that. But how do they know? Oh, Mark Ramsey has to pay for Netflix next month. Good thing we gave him as if because he stayed. Well, remember, it's not just about acquisition. It's also about retention. Right. So they can, they can tell that the retention is effective based on knowing what we're watching. If they know what we're watching, they know the amount of time uh, spent watching, then they, they have a, a measure of... <laughs> but that of, doesn't make sense because you just said you're watching it. <laughs> what do you mean? You just said you were watching as if. Yeah. 
But that's so not I'm, what's keeping you on Netflix, is it? No, it isn't. But uh, but from their perspective, but what it is is, but as the as the follow up, why am I watching as if? And the answer is because I don't have anything better in the queue right now. Right. And as far as Netflix is concerned, as long as they've got something better than the next option, which is nothing in my case, then uh, they're doing okay. You know, Handmaid's not out till Wednesday. Um, Game of Thrones is over. This is the problem uh, that we have. So it is really interesting. And it's also interesting to compare that to Audible, which, of course, is Amazon. Right. And if you consider the fact that Audible is always putting out uh, these Audible original um, uh, audio dramas, you know, they had one recently called Heads Will Roll with Kate McKinnon from SNL. Um, and now, who's listening to that? Do you know anyone who's listening to that? I don't. No. Actually, I do know a couple people who are listening to that. But those are people with Audible subscriptions. But people with Audible subscriptions, there's that word again, are paying whatever, 10 bucks a month, $120 a year, whatever the magic number is, so that they can have access to an unending stream of Audible originals and audiobooks. Uh, for a price. I mean, that that's that brings in the whole subscription model. So now Audible is essentially throwing out these investments to you to keep you coming back for that subscription, which means it has nothing to do with how popular the show is per se and more to do with keeping those incremental, you know, $10 subscription fees coming. Very interesting model. Yeah, it is very interesting. And again, not the model that drove MASH in 19... 19- Whatever it is, 83. Oh, no. Think about the evolution of the business model over time, right? In the early days, TV shows were produced by a studio. They paid the affiliate TV stations to broadcast them, and then the studio received a portion of the advertisers or sponsor dollars. Now, mm-hmm. Netflix, Amazon, Apple, Disney, AT&T, they're the studios and the station. Right. It changes everything. By the way, try an interesting exercise sometime. Find an old video on, you know, YouTube or whatever, an old DVD from your collection. I have these some some uh, TV shows back from the 90s that are recorded on DVD um, and that include commercials and do a little inventory of what was being advertised in the 90s on television (laughs) compared to what's being advertised today. It has no comparison whatsoever it's just unbelievable. You know, there's one nine hundred there one nine hundred numbers, remember those? Oh yeah. From the nineties. One nine hundred this, you know, call AT&T, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, and then there's an abundance of uh, and then what you don't see are all the pharmaceuticals. I mean, it's a completely different world of television advertising from what it used to be. Well, yeah, we're, the, the culture has made us uh, need all these pills. We didn't need them. That's for sure. That's a, too much <laughs> choice means we need more meds. Exactly. All right, Tom, it's time for rants and raves. Okay. What's on your What's on your radar this week? What's on my rant? Are I, I'm going to re- kind of a repeat rant about scarcity and value again, which is all about today's topics, right? So mm-hmm. you've probably seen the news about Mount Everest. You've seen the pictures. The overcrowding, where it shows images of hundreds of mountaineers waiting in line to reach the summit. Okay. Pushing and shoving to take selfies, even stepping over dead bodies, right? Mm -hmm. So how did reaching the iconic summit of Mount Everest go from a daring adventure that (laughs) landed, that landed a handful of climbers in history books to now it's recreational tourism for the Instagram crowd? You know how? (laughs) It's simple. It's simple. 
It's the free market and supply and demand. Because look, the demand from well-to-do, relatively inexperienced adventure tourists drove investments. (laughs) I'm telling you, it drove investments on the supply side in all this advanced equipment. These all the less experienced guides. That's why you have dead bodies all over the place. Mm -hmm. And so, what does this have to do with the media business? Simple. The same dynamics are at play. First, the early entrants came in. They exploited the difficult terrain of the new medium. They they rode their fame and acclaim to fortunes. Oh, then the imitators show up, followed by others with various innovations to make the craft Mm -hmm. easier. Right, Mm -hmm. and then a slew of novices and guides appear. And the trails get crowded, and the fame and acclaim begins to fade. Look, we mentioned blogs earlier. Think about where innovation has taken us since the beginning of the Internet. I challenge anyone to look at a website today and tell me if it's run by a multimillion-dollar organization Mm -hmm. or a kid in his parents' basement. You Mm -hmm. cannot tell by looking at it. Right. The same thing is happening with the audio quality of podcasts the design Mm -hmm. of book covers, the video and sound quality of movies shot with inexpensive cameras, not to Mm -hmm. mention, look at these, the talent of writers, singers, actors, directors. It's coming out of the woodwork. So what are you going to do? How do you make sure that you're not standing in a long-ass line gasping for oxygen and freezing to death? B-Y-O-M. Put that on your T-shirt. You have to build your own mountain by taking a risk and doing something unproven, something difficult and complex before it becomes just another selfie opportunity for everyone else. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I, I think the other thing that that illustrates is, you know, when everyone can produce high quality stuff, although every, that, you know, everyone has the, has the opportunity, I should say, to produce high quality stuff then distribution is really going to separate the men from the boys, right? And I don't mean distribution on YouTube. I mean distribution behind someone who uh, is committed to distributing this product or service to get it in front of as many eyes or ears as possible, right? Right, right. So you want to be part of a major label. You want to be part of a over-the-air network. You want to be part of Netflix. You want to be part of Spotify. You want to be part of, in the podcast world, you want to be part of Gimlet. You want to be part of Wondery. You want to be part of these things that can attract ears and eyeballs. Uh, and that helps because all other things equal, the advantage is going to go to the better distribution deal. Mark, it's almost like back to the future. I was watching a documentary about Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and they showed these guys getting in their vehicles, going from Gainesville, Florida, out to L.A., and then getting on the phone and calling every studio out there, hoping to get somebody to listen to them. We're coming back to that time again, right? Yeah. And it's not happening because there's a walled, you know, walled off gardens with you know kingmakers. It's happening mm-hmm. now because of the abundance that no one can find things anymore. Yeah, so that's is- why in, in the podcast space, you know, everyone's talking about discoverability, discoverability, increase your discoverability. Well, you know, I mean, having a network deal is the best way to increase your discoverability. Having a network behind your project is the best way. That's just like putting out an independent film. You can do it on your own if you like. You can work the uh, festival circuit if you like, or you can get picked up. <laughs> right. And if you get picked up, all of a sudden your odds for success are much, much greater. That's a really good point. Good. Well, so um, I, what do you know, you have? I, have a sl- I have a slew of things here, and I, I, but I, I think I just 
you know, it's too much. So I, I, but I do want to do a little bit of log rolling because I've got a funny story related to it. You know, my uh, podcast Inside Star Wars is out right now, making the rounds, as you know. Have you heard it all, by the yeah, way? Yeah, yeah, it's excellent. I love it. Oh, I'm so glad. This is the first time we've, we've talked in depth about it, I think. Um, it's obviously an insider look at the people behind the, the making of the original classic, Star Wars. So this one is doing great. It's doing better than you know any of the previous ones by a measurable amount, it, which, and they did well. So it debuted at number six. It's still in the top 50 or so and uh, keeps adding. So anyway, a new episode came out yesterday. It was the casting episode, the episode where Carrie Fisher is being cast and Mark Hamill is being cast and Harrison Ford is being cast. And So um, of those people, uh, one is gone. One doesn't play around with social media. The third is the one I was worried the most about. That would be Mark Hamill, because Mark Hamill is a presence. He's a force on social media and in the Star Wars universe. And he is, after all, let's not forget, Luke Skywalker. Right. You don't want to mess with Luke Skywalker. <laughs> so a tweet comes over yesterday that uh, retweets you know, my reference to the episode of the podcast. And he's and uh, there's a scene in the podcast where Mark Hamill is waking up on the couch of his buddy, Robert England, who uh, later became Freddy Krueger. And they're talking about this casting thing. And England is telling him that, you know, there's this perfect role for you in this George Lucas thing, Mark. You should really go out for it. And <laughs> Mark, I guess Mark, Mark Hamill took issue with some of my <laughs> my characterizations uh -oh. of the situation. No, uh oh, it was just funny. So he said, look, you made it sound like I was homeless <laughs> <laughs> and living on Robert's couch. He said, I have my own place. I had my own apartment. You know, I had other TV jobs. Robert was not the only person to tell me about the role. There were other people. My agent already had a casting thing set up. Oh, um, man. So, and I he guess said, he doesn't understand storytelling, does he? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, furthermore, you have Robert giving me a beer, waking me up, you know, kicking the couch to wake me up and giving me a beer. He said, I would never drink a beer before an audition. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I'm totally appreciated. You know, you can't tell someone's tone from a text, right? But I'm totally appreciating the good-natured spirit that he has here. And so I'm writing back, well, you know, first of all, you know, waking up on someone's couch doesn't mean you're living. <laughs> <laughs> Who hasn't awakened on their buddy's couch at some point in their life? You know, it doesn't mean you're living with them or you're homeless. Come on. <laughs> and I said, secondly... It was his audition, not yours, that he was, and it was after his audition that he was giving you the beer. That's totally different. I would never suggest that you're drinking before an audition. <laughs> Quite frankly, yeah, I can barely suggest that you're drinking at all. This was just, you know, to have this broment in the, <laughs> with, with Robert England coming back from this awful audition, telling you about this part that's perfect for you and passing you a beer to get you out of, off the couch in the morning. I just found that an irresistible story to tell. Hmm. So, um, and then, of course, you know, he said, I, I, I said, thanks for listening. He said, I, I like the podcast. I just, I figured you'd like to, you know, paint your truths with a few more. With a, I said, I'm just trying to paint with colors. And he said, I thought maybe you'd like to use a few more truthful colors. Oh, man. <laughs> so, naturally, of course, now that tweet interchange goes viral, Right. So now in comicbook.com is this interchange. Mark Hamill 
has to has to lay to rest the myth about what he was doing. And I thought, you know what? Mark didn't say he never spent the night on Robert's couch. You guys have to stop taking this so literally. Oh, man. Not only that, Mark, Ah. they're betting on Mark Hamill's memory. I'm not sure I want to make that bet. You know, but that's one of the truths is that is that Robert England recalls this differently. That's what I mean. <laughs> but people are saying, you're arguing with Mark Hamill. It's, first of all, no, I'm not arguing with him, but it has been 40 years. You know, give everybody <laughs> a chance to own their recollections. I know, and half give, the stuff I tell my friends, they tell me it never happened. There you go. I mean, give me a chance to tell a colorful story where the end result is the exact same thing anyway. So anyway, I just wanted to mention That's that a great to say, story. <laughs> to say that it's, it's, it's fun when, you know, Mark Hamill listens to your podcast about Mark Hamill. That's fun. And you know you're in perilous waters the minute that happens. <laughs> and g- thank God Alec Guinness isn't still alive because I think he would hate every second of this. But <laughs> anyway, that's Media Unplugged for this week. Please remember to subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. You can follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Asacker and Mark if you know, for some reason you're so inclined to do it at Mark Ramsey Media. Send us your questions and comments using hashtag Media Unplugged. If there's a media topic you want us to cover, tweet us. You can also email us at mramsey at markramseymedia.com and tomasacker at gmail.com. Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. How do these guys find the Star Wars podcast so they can listen to it? Oh, I didn't say that, did I? Thank you, Tom. You're welcome. (laughs) Thanks for waiting (laughs) until the very end when no one's listening. (laughs) It's InsideStarWars.com. Just the way it sounds. Thanks for thanks for telling uh, for You're reminding welcome. me that. Catch up on all our episodes at our website, MediaUnplugged.net. Special thanks to the producer of Media Unplugged, Jeff Schmidt. Exciting audio for media. You can find him at Jeff-Schmidt.com. And I've got to say, before I do the sign-off, Tom, anybody who get you got to all the way to the very end of the final episode on Inside Star Wars, didn't you? No, I didn't make it yet. Okay, well, when you get to, you've got to get to the very end of the final episode because there's a surprise waiting for everyone. So make sure to listen that far. All right. for, for Tom Asacker, I'm Mark Ramsey. Thank you for listening.